Hi, everyone. Brent here. This is a part of a new podcast segment we're starting called Secret Records, where we cover topics that are more off the beaten path from our typical nerd culture discussion and are still things that we think are interesting and fun. Often record without the full HS team, but let us know what you think by tweeting at us wherever that happens. Well, Brent's got a secret, and Kalen's got a secret, Clark's got a secret, and Adam's got a secret, and Ryan's got a secret. It's, it's Homo Superior Secret Records. <laughs> All right, so today... <laughs> today uh, we'll workshop that. No, yeah. oh. Today we're covering the HBO and BBC One's new six-part drama series, Years and Years, which follows three generations of the Lions family over 15 years as they experience the march of technological and political change in a world not too dissimilar from our own. We also see the rise of an anti-intellectual, nationalist, and xenophobic political party, the Four Star Party, so named for their leader Vivian Rook's willingness to swear on public television. As the Four Star Party amasses more power, the members of the Lyons family experience the consequences of an increasingly fascistic government, as well as decisions related to themselves and their relationships. Obviously, that's a very high-level recap of what's in the show, and uh, there will be tons of spoilers ahead. Um, I was turned on to this series because I think Clark mentioned it was going to come out. Yeah. Because you saw the Because I watched it um, not quasi-legally. Extra-legally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Secretly legally. Right, when so, it was coming out over there. So first, uh, let's do our traditional what makes this show great what's the best thing about this i think it is a logical extension of what is happening in current day uh our political climate our economic climate uh everything about the show seemed like oh yeah this seems very plausible even though in some ways it was a logical extreme um so in that sense it was compelling and terrifying no it's exact everything i don't want to happen in the next five years like it is so uh, every episode I end with like some sort of wanting to vomit. Yeah, um, it is. I feel like the show is more of a warning sign of PSA time travelers coming back from the recent future uh, and saying, don't do this. I think my favorite part of the show is the ability of the direction to cut between uh, different large scale political actions, the Lions family and put music in the background that increases your anxiety dramatically. For sure. You like, cannot it, watch episode after episode of this show. You need to give yourself time to breathe. Uh, I watched them all back to back. Really? Almost uh, almost all of them. Oh, my oh you God. didn't watch the last two back to back. I watched the first three back to back, then watched the second two back to back, and then um, then I was caught up in real time. Oh, and God, I watched... you... you... You you didn't take a break between four and five? No, I watched them on a train oh. coming back from New Jersey. Oh. I wanted to, oh, no. I wanted to I think, kill myself I, on the I tracks. I think this show is, would probably be best to watch episode by episode and not in a chunk. Yeah, just, do not just, binge watch Just this. to like keep your fear the entire time. Like If I went for it from four to straight to five, I don't think I would have... Survived? Felt at, no, the opposite. I no. feel like... It was so horrifying. You could have watched it. Over. I, I think each of these episodes could, like, could stick with you. They really can. On their own. Sure. They, they definitely linger. I mean, they're all a little bit over an hour, I want to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so they feel like little movies. Um, uh, but to your point, Brent, I think juxtaposing what was happening to Lion's family, uh, com- you know, to like compare to what was happening in the rest of the world, in, in the UK and the rest of the world, I think was a very smart decision. 
uh, and utilizing a uh, multi-ethnic, uh, even um, uh, multi-sexual orientation mm-hmm. type of family to give different facets of what would happen to somebody who is gay, somebody who uh, was uh, a mixed-race child, uh, somebody who ended up getting into a relationship with some uh, with with a um, uh, a refugee. Uh, I think was a really smart decision on Russell T. Russell also, T. Davis's was part. Economically different as well, even though they were in the same family. For sure, you had a very wealthy part of the family and a very like like uh, working class part of the family. Sorry. So, what do you think is the worst part about the show? Um, for me, it's the ending. Uh, I think the ending um, is it just wraps up uh, the story too neatly in a bow uh, and. Uh, it loses the like sort of like this like the sense of dread the first five episodes have, and it feels like it becomes like a caper story of what? getting Victor, who is um, Daniel's um, husband, uh, out of out of uh, out of that refugee camp. Why don't you explain what part of the ending you're talking about that particularly bothered you, or I guess the ending itself? So everything that happened after Muriel, who played who's the matriarch of the family. She gives a monologue, which I actually thought was quite well done, um, saying that, you know, we thought that we had conquered history. We had won uh, at the end of 1999, the right. turn of the century, mm-hmm. how foolish we were. Uh, and that I think about stuff like that. It's like how foolish we were that, you know, um, that we had we came to the end of history. Uh, what, what's the author's name? Uh, Fukuwama, who wrote uh, The End of History. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't remember that author's name, but I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, uh, the Japanese author. Uh, he, uh, you know, it just reminds me. It's like, oh, we thought we had it made, and then we realized how fragile all of it is. Um, so I like that part. Everything after that, it it goes from a show about existential dread of the future and and future shock, and it turns into a story about breaking somebody out of prison. Uh, and I was like, it, it, the tonal shift just really bugged me. Uh, because it's not what I wanted them to focus in on. Right, because basically the uh, Vivian Rook administration and the kind of police state that's been built up is torn down by the transparency provided by iPhones shooting these erstwhile camps. Right. And um, then at the very end by having Edith have her consciousness downloaded to these water computers in a kind of very hopeful technological... I think I, I I agree up to a point. I think I liked the the escape plan. I liked all the cameras. I liked all that stuff because it kind of shows that like this, the, you know, that every man can make a difference. But it was, and I liked the fact that it wasn't just them that they said made yeah. a difference. It yeah. was everybody happening at once, which I like. I just didn't like the last ten minutes with the uploading and blah blah blah. I didn't want like the full capstone, like like you know, final piece on it. Do you think that I was the worst part of the show? Um. That's the worst part I can immediately think of, like as a whole piece. Yeah. Yes, I hated. Um, I I I thought they were okay at first, but in retrospect, I really don't like the monologues because they're they're like two, they're like three Certain or four ones, of yeah. them, and they all remind me of Aaron Sorkin type monologuing. This is like the writer just shoving a script. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they really want to comment on society into any character's mouth. I'm trying- and I just think it always is like, <sighs> it's, it's a little awkward. Uh, I liked hers. I did not. What, what was Russell Tovey's about? I fucking hated his, his, so his much. was about dread and how everything's going wrong. Oh God, you gotta was, worry about crop damage. Uh, and- he might've been the worst character on the show. 
Really? Yeah. I, I, what, are we going to... You disagree? The, what, no, uh, no, no, no. What, well, no, no, no. I mean, uh, I, I'm fine uh, moving uh, along I, with I, that. Mostly, I, and I, I like uh, uh, Russell Tovey a lot as an actor. I'm and fine with him. I think he's very sexy, and I could look at his ears all the time. But um, he... Because they're his, like little teacups sticking out of the side of his head. Those yes. little teacup handles. Oh, I, I would love to drink that tea. Um, I... Hated how dumb his character was. He was so stupid. God, he, like it's him. like every. It's like I was screaming at the at, at the scene in, in the second episode. Um, when you find out that he's left his first husband, yeah. uh, Ralph, the hottest and, thing ever. Um, I actually thought I actually thought Victor oh, no, was hotter. I fucking love uh, whatever his name is. Ralph, Ralph was just like generically hot. Yeah. Victor had this beautiful like Loki esque like look of look about him. Um, but uh, basically, like when he's telling. Ralph that oh Victor's not allowed to work but he has to work in this gas station it's like you fucking moron he's so so stupid stupid everything he does is stupid it's so stupid and then like the when they're in France and they try to get the passport uh, and like the whatever the the mouth stuff for for Victor the breath stuff so like Mm -hmm. you can get get back to the UK and they just give away the money to this and and his passport yes and And his passport to this woman who is offering to give him a fake breath passport yeah, uh, and then they you know they lose six thousand dollars or whatever six thousand. Well, that was pounds. the problem with the whole family. Like Bethany and like she and her friend just go off to some fucking boat offshore to try to get enhancements, and they have the same thing. They just take they just take the money and run. Uh, and I, they just yeah, off. but that she's a kid, and I can kind of forgive that a little bit. And I just a, didn't like the fact that they they went that route twice. Let me ask you a question. And like, about, was it one episode apart? Basically, yeah. Uh, Ralph. If uh, you if you were dating someone that hot, would you break up with them because they're a flat earther? I yes. think I think I would. Oh, I would, too. I would Yeah, I was getting oh, yeah. so angry. At, oh, like, he's awful. Yeah, like the flat earth stuff is like, well, we don't know. Like we don't. Well, like, how, it, how do you know? How do you know? Oh no, I would. I, I that makes me so mad. Yeah, just even instantly thinking about it, I want to kill instantly. him. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's talk about some of the other characters. Um, one of my favorite relationships was Muriel. Uh, the and Grand and Celeste. Yeah, I thought they had a perfect, um, acerbic, but we're still gonna work alongside each other attitude. I loved it. Uh, I loved it before we saw the flip, and I loved it even more after yeah. we saw the flip. And the flip is when uh, Muriel discovers what's Celeste's husband's name? Uh, Stephen. Stephen. When she discovers that Stephen has been cheating on Celeste, <laughs> when she finds out he's garbage, and she basically yes. goes, "No, you need to leave this house." When Grand does that, that's yeah. what yes. we did with my older brother. Basically, we yeah. didn't talk to him. We talked to my ex, uh, my ex sister in law all the time. Well, wow! No, oh. um, I think that was such a and it was cheating too in that case. I think it's just a, such a wonderful, wonderful flip. That sounds really interesting, and I kind of want to get into that. But there's also still a lot to talk. There's about. There's a lot I could tell uh, you all our stories. Secret, secret, secret podcast yeah. about uh, uh, our we'll, secret origins. Yeah. We'll just like Clark monologue on that uh, in a few minutes. <laughs> um, okay, so Celeste was wonderful. Um, I thought her daughters, Bethany, who is the uh, one who wanted to, who's who thought of herself as transhumanist. Yeah, she yeah. wants to eventually be downloaded onto a computer and be a part of, you know, some electronic server. Mm-hmm. I thought she was more filled out than Ruby. Ruby, who seemed like a character that was just kind of there. there. Yeah. She was totally just there. Um, but I think that's probably fine. I enjoyed Ruby. I loved when she was trying to explain like everyone's porn yeah. <laughs> habits. Not habits, but like what you're what who you as a person, what kind of porn you would like. I love that she bought like a fifty two pound 
bottle of wine and her parents are like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she sounds like fun. Yeah, she sounds like I'll a lot of fun. I'll hang out with Ruby. Uh, you know, I'm, not so, I'm not so used to hearing uh, British currency that when you said 52-pound bottle, yeah. I, uh, in my head, I made Bef- Before you got to massive, the... Yeah. A Nebuchadnezzar bottle. You know a huge she, bottle of wine. She does sound like I'm fun. like, what a lush. Well, I think uh, that they needed uh, to contrast her with Bethany, who was such a space cadet. Uh, and I mean that quite literally. Oh, no. When she had her little Hello Mommy face. Oh, that Hello, was... Dad. Oh, it was so I gross. I hated that. Oh, I didn't like her for a long time. Yeah, when she had like the... Oh, like that, the, that mask. The, the mask thing. The emoji face mask. Oh, it made me want to throw up. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of... Um, what uh, about her gay friend who called... Um, whatchamacallit? Star-Lord a daddy. Oh, Chris Pratt. Yeah, yeah that was funny. Not uh, Bethany. Not Bethany's friends. It was the, uh, the Bethany, other sister. It was Bethany. Oh, it was? No, it was oh, the other sister's friend. Oh, yeah. Friend. See, see, she friend. does seem like more fun. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of um, uh, Rosie, who had spina bifida, mm-hmm. um, and especially her converting Edith to being on team Vivian Rook. Um what she was she wasn't really on team Vivian Rook. Was she, she was. Yeah, so Rosie was very uh Why well, no, Rosie was for sure. Rosie was and then Edith uh really latched on to the burn the system down oh, well, mentality. So and in so, a totally different way though. Cuz she yeah, literally she, does But she got uh behind, you know, the four star party. What I liked about her character so much was which you, one you could uh, 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 Edith the, is the is the one who not was, Edith the yeah, the Rosie, younger one. Rosie. Rosie yeah sorry Rosie I liked her so much because I completely saw what someone uh, who was sort of like working class but it generally well intentioned uh, could could get behind someone like Donald Trump yeah. or like something like Brexit it's like yeah let's this this makes sense this guy's you know, not a politician. He's speaking truth to power. Yeah, uh, being part of the EU hasn't really made my life significantly better. Let's fucking shatter it. Not realizing, like, what you're doing is making your life ten times worse than what it was before. That was the thing that really uh, uh, set me off about Ralph from the beginning, because he was excited when Vivian first showed up. Yes, the very first second. She's like, I, he's like, I love it. It's great. And you know Daniel's what? warning him. That's a, she is a monster. Mm-hmm. You know what he reminds me of? Of all the fucking homos who are all about Marianne Williamson right now. And I'm like, you stupid, stupid fucking idiots. Yeah. Stop being entertained by, uh, by someone on stage and focus on which candidate is you think will actually make life exactly. better. I mean, we haven't talked about her specifically. She doesn't much care for, for, Whatchamacallit? What are the words I'm going to say? She has issues with. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Say Although viral. she says she says that like that's not true, but also she's a fucking wackadoo. She's so, yeah, fuck but her. does uh, okay. So I don't think Vivian Rook is quite the same as sorry uh, that Marion Williamson is quite the same as it's someone not, like Vivian. No, it's not the no, same. No, no. It's not. It's coming from a different angle. But yeah. it's this. It's the unseriousness. It's like us being taken in by um by these charlatans who we find to be captivating on television or in other visual mediums, which is what Donald Trump is. Uh, he's just coming at it from the right versus Marianne coming in from the left. Um, it's like people, um, a colleague of mine said in, in the summer of 2016, he's going to win because America wants to be entertained. Yeah. The world wants to be entertained. And I was like praying that she wasn't right. And she was. And it's, it, it scares the crap out of me that that's all we want. Well, I was pretty... Uh... Uh, annoyed with myself for my 
a reflexive emotional response to Vivian Rook saying, I don't give a fuck about trying to solve Israel and Palestine's problems. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I mean, this has like been a thing that we've been fighting forever. My knee jerk reaction was, yeah, well, that makes sense. Why, why should we keep caring about a region that isn't going to fix itself? And that's exactly the kind of mentality that leads you to think like we shouldn't care about other people's yeah, affairs. It's, it's the isolationism. Yeah. Ourselves uh, alienate other people. And it's Donald Trump's like foreign policy right now. Uh, I mean, it, you know, like I can see why people would agree. I'm sick of war. I'm sick of our, uh, our international uh, adventures, especially in the middle East. Like maybe he can find a way to end it. Um, and it's, it's terrifying when, um, when, you know, you see, you see the end result of it. This show really, um, didn't really talk about the Middle East that much. No, it didn't. It it did China. Yeah, did China like crazy? United it did, States. It did U- Russia. UK, Russia, uh, Ukraine, Russia. Yeah, and then and then France and, and Spain. Everything. Yeah, yeah, but mostly for like, it was for for proxi- yeah, yeah. proximity reasons. Yeah. Um, um, but I think I think that was a conscious decision. I think Russell T Davies, uh, and I want to talk a little bit about him and his his influences in a, in a few minutes, but. I think he wanted to focus in on where you saw the spheres of influence yeah. happening in the future based on what's happening now. China, of course, is going to be is a already a major actor on the world stage and will continue to be based on where they stand on the on the on the uh, the geopolitical uh, stage right now. Russia obviously is making serious moves by destabilizing democracies across the world. Um, and we'll see what happens with India now. And then India is mm-hmm. uh, with with Kashmir. Yeah. Uh, at, Somebody who is Indian American, I am utterly, utterly like frightened about what's going to happen there. Um, but um, Russell T. Davies is an interesting guy. Do you know who he is, Brent? Um, the name sounds vaguely familiar. So he's the show creator. So he did the original Queers Folk, uh, oh, the yeah, British you've, one. You've probably told me that. Uh, and then he was also the showrunner of Doctor Who Doctor. for Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant. Oh. So he's got like like sci-fi, sure. comic booky type uh, uh, type stuff, and. It was very interesting to see his influences that he wore on, wore on his sleeve. One, V for Vendetta, I think, uh, is very much a, um, uh, if you're British, it is going to be, if you're, if you're focused on dystopias, that, that is going to be on your mind. Right. Um, especially if you like comic books and graphic novels. Transmetropolitan, which is a, another graphic novel by Warren Ellis, the guy who wrote Castlevania, the animated series. Um, he has uh he did a series in the late nineties and early two thousands called called Transmetropolitan and it was uh, it was about an American journalist based on um on uh, uh oh what's God. his name? Spider 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 Jerusalem but Spider he's, Jerusalem. But he's based on the guy who did Fear and Loathing on uh, on the uh, Hunter S. Thompson. Hunter S. Thompson, thank yeah. you. Um uh but he, th- there are certain sci fi elements. So like when transhuman first came up, I was like the first, I was like triggered immediately that that's transmetropolitan. Uh, transferring your consciousness into like like a cloud like ether. Yeah, that's also uh, in, from Transmetropolitan. They just called the the, the things two different things. Um, so I I love that he like kind of uh, um, started thinking about what a dystopia based on our current events would look like. And I think I think a lot of it was very smart and terrifying. Okay, so I have a question then. Yeah, I, do you think this is a dystopia? Because I do not. I think that part of a dystopia is that there is some component of some mechanism in society that the government is using that really influences the way 
the story mechanically works. Like if I if I was writing a story about history mm-hmm. and it was like fiction set in Germany, I would not think of the German government as a dystopia. I would think of it as like an authoritarian regime. Like this reality is so close to what our current reality is that I don't think of it as being like actually. I, mean, it's not, uh, it's, I th- oh, go ahead. No, I mean it, it's on. I think a lot of the stuff they talk about, but it's not about, is more of the dystopia aspect of it. Like they, there's all this stuff about you know like flooding and everything and and, and global warming and everything. Or remember which bananas? They barely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I miss the butterflies. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah which says that it's. It doesn't say that it's a dystopia, but it's definitely to the point the where throwaway lines. Donald Trump getting a second term. Um. President Pence taking over. Yeah, uh, I think he's just like a puppet for. He's a puppet for Trump. Uh, the Supreme Court, uh, 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 after getting rid of gay marriage, um, overturning gay marriage, overturns Roe v. Wade. Like that to me is all dystopia type elements. Um, but especially if if you are you know a fairly woke liberal uh, uh, in the United States or or in another Western country. Um, but I think I just I think it is a dystopia because it is it is projecting. A dark future. It's just very a very near dark future, uh, and that's all a dystopia is to me. I mean, a dystopia like a final end product. I mean, I guess to me, a dystopia tries to use some um, mechanisms like technology that would show like here is a way that the government can become you know a massive massive problem for everyone in its mm-hmm. authoritarian pursuits. If you don't th- that. The, the use of that mechanism would be some criticism of the way things are being done today. This is literally just actually describing kind of the way things are today. And to me, it doesn't have that extra element. Maybe this is too Wait, much. So you're asking if we are in a dystopia right now? So Yeah. I mean, that's like, because I don't think we are. Yeah. I think we are in the way that like uh, an authoritarian regime kind of uh, begins its uh, formation. So, uh, I'm going to go back to our, our, our very original mission statement for Homo Superior. And we know we talk about when we talk about X-Men and comic books. Uh, one thing I liked about the original five coming back, even though they, they, they got rid of them and sent them back to back from the original time, the yeah. original five X-Men. Yeah. Uh, was I thought you were talking about us. The original five of us. <laughs> the original five of us. Uh, the original five now X-Men. Three, yeah. Bendis said this in an interview. Brian Michael Bendis said that what he wanted to explore was you know, when Days of Future Past came out, um, the current day group of X-Men saw this is what this dark future would be. He wanted to flip the script by having the original five come back from the past, see their present, what was going on with Cyclops killing Professor X, uh, the schism between Wolverine and Cyclops, um, and say, this is the darkest future that we can imagine. And uh, I thought that was actually a really clever way yeah. Of handling it, but they never really like they never really like delved into it. Yeah. Well, it's been um, it. Well, the, there's that, but um, let me ask you a question though. Like, so 1984, mm-hmm. would you call that a dystopian novel? Um, yes, but it's been a while since I've read it. Mm-hmm. But I think that part of it is, um, now it seems a little bit um, dated especially because of the technology that they were using sure. in the story was more futuristic. Um, I think that's true of any story that's set in the quote-unquote future, right. but is way back in the past. I, if I remember like some of the surveillance stuff, some of the way that they did advertising stuff, 
yeah. was was more futuristic than was available in uh, Orwell's time. But the reason I'm asking that is because you are your definition you're using for dystopia is the government utilizing some kind of technology to establish its authoritarian yeah. ways, like like a shift in something to get to right. The end so, point like in it. Brave New World, the mechanism is genetically separating people mm-hmm. and then providing drugs to keep everyone sedated. Right. So is Fahrenheit 451 just like burning books? Um, no, but kind of. I don't but know. But when I, you're I, reading I it, your, your fingers get really hot. Yeah. It's weird. I didn't read it. Um, no, I read, I read it and watched the movie. I'm just saying, would that be the mechanism? Ray, Ray Bradbury read? will tell you it's, uh, and he'll scream at you that it's about how uh, television is killing our Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> I did read that recently. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think we should, I think we should move on from dystopia. Okay. Um, so it's a utopia. No, it's definitely not a utopia. Yeah, it's a fruitopia. Um, do you guys think that you'd Zootopia. ever want to be transhuman? Would you ever want no. to get an upgrade of any Good sort? God, no. Any implant? An implant, cybernetic arm, maybe. Like, uh, you take your arm. Like, okay, the technology's perfect now. Yeah, they can just stick it on. It perfectly works as an arm. Would you be willing to get your arm? I, I, want I, would it, I don't want it to look like an jobs. arm. I want it to look what? like a crazy a robot. robot arm. Yeah, oh, yeah. I want to go like Terminator. <laughs> oh, you I, want it to have like like five like like different like, like ten- tentacles coming out. No, Inspector no, Gadget. I want it to be like the original Terminator. Like I want some, like when he's going into the ooh in into the um the, the, the melting. Yeah, melting yeah. I, you have to, I want it to just be straight up fucked up a, robot. A arm. constant thumbs up. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I do think Inspector Gadget would be funny. It's like oh, I can I've got an egg beater now for my hand, and now yeah, like, it's an umbrella. One, one's a grappling hook. And you're like, yeah. what do you need a grappling hook for? I don't know. <laughs> Grapple. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just like leave from your balcony. Down, down to the street. I, yeah, I, I don't want to look like... If I'm going to get an enhancement, I don't want to look like a normal person. I feel like a lot of the enhancements that we're going to get are going to be non-invasive. They're going to be things like um, contact lenses that can upgrade your vision, yeah. but they're, it's built into the contact lens That's, rather than getting like, why surgery. Wouldn't, just like in the show, she just literally gets like this half-second procedure and she doesn't have glaucoma or whatever anymore. I don't know if it's... It, 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 that wouldn't be needed. That's to be not the upgrade. I'm that, thinking more like Bethany's yeah, upgrades. What I'm, that's what I'm, that's yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. That kind of thing wouldn't really be an upgrade as much as just... Um, yeah. Healthcare. I don't, I, I, I don't think I'd want my phone in my hand. No. No, I, fuck that, no. That sounds scary as shit. Uh, I do like the idea of snapping and then that meaning something technologically happens. Yeah. I don't want my phone Like half the universe disappearing? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, to go back to that ending... Um, Edith is having her, uh, brain uploaded to some computers Mm -hmm. and it reframes the entire show as being her describing her most recent past Mm -hmm. and gives some context for why we flip through time so quickly because to her, nothing really important happened then. Um, do you think that this is an effective ending as a framing technique, uh, I know you don't necessarily love the nature of the hopefulness and how it, you know, kind of contrasts with how dreary the rest of the show is. But uh, no, I think, and that's part of the reason why I didn't love it. Like, I think I could have forgiven the sort of the quote unquote happier ending. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was a weird storytelling device, and it just took me out of the show. Like, it's like I was watching a recap of the show. Well, how would you do it differently? <sighs> I don't know. I. I'm not a writer, so I, I don't want to pretend that I would I know how to do it better, but I just know that I, I didn't really care for it. I mean, I think 
uh, the the transparency, you know, the video shooting of that uh, erstwhile camp yeah. would be done that, and it wouldn't mean anything. And then I, I thought that was going to be it would the case be the kind, it would be kind it. of a 1984 and uh, night, he loved Big Brother mm-hmm. kind of ending where we just have to accept that this if this that, regime is getting worse. If that happened, I would have been like, this is the best show I've seen all year besides Dark. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh, go ahead. I think this it, this happened. It's like a question we're going to talk about later, so I'll bring it up later. Okay. Why I thought well, that why this ending happened. Well, why didn't why yeah? Didn't, why skip did this, over yeah. To that? yeah, why did this ending happen? I mean, yeah. we one of the things we we're going to talk about is um, who do you think this show is for? Yeah, which I I think the reason it ends this way is it's for liberals in order to try to tear down whatever fucking nightmare system we're currently going through right now. That's why I. I it's, it's a PSA. It's more. For them. It, it, it literally the end is a PSA for us. Yeah. Or people like us, people who don't know as much as us, mm-hmm. but still feel the same way. I think that's what this ending is. Maybe, but, but don't sucks you th- in terms of like <laughs> like a storytelling, but in terms of a information for those people. I mean, it, don't you think liberals now are worried about this ending? Like, they are worried about. Like a fascistic regime really coming into yeah, power. That's I, what I'm saying. So, like, why would the show be for them? It's for them. The moment we these not nobodies, but this random family of people who are just going through it have this ability to change. Oh, okay, I see. And yeah. all these different small groups that the small families and whoever are able to change the system. I do think this ending is for those I, kind of people to I, be wa- who the wa- the people who are watching. I completely agree with that, and it goes back to Grand's monologue mm-hmm. where you know. Where she goes, you know, after she says, I thought we had we'd won, and obviously we hadn't. And you know who did this? It was us. It was all of you. Yeah. And, and she talks about automation at, like, the, you know, Marks and Spencer or wherever. And, you know, it's, like, all those shopkeeps or all those, like, women who, like, checked out your groceries. They were out of a job, and you did nothing. You didn't go shop somewhere else. You didn't want to look at them in the eye. Like these small acts of bravery or these small acts of advocacy um, could have changed the world just a little bit. Uh, And we get so complacent with stuff and then we get angry now about the way the world is. Um, And just like little things like, I mean, more and more people voting uh, resulted last year in, you know, the the, the House flipping from Republican to Democrat. And uh, that made a huge difference. Um, Whereas, you know, four years Prior to that, the lowest turnout of any midterm since 1946 uh, led to uh, a re- Republicans controlling the Senate um, and then uh, not allowing, you know, uh, President Obama to to seat Merrick Garland oh, or even yeah. give him give him like a, a hearing. Uh, you know, these things had consequences because people didn't show up and just showing up and voting um, is such an important part of um, of our republic. And uh, beyond that, it's about being an active citizen and holding people actually accountable. Yeah. And that's really tough. And um, I was just having a conversation with with my boss about this and saying, you know, um, uh, the best thing about this administration is it has created uh, the best civic lesson that we've ever had in our lifetimes. And it's terrifying, but it's made everybody a little bit more active. And to Clark's point, um, you know... um, the little acts can make a huge difference if enough people do them. And so I think in, in that sense, it helps me reframe the ending a little bit for me. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't enjoy it if it was so heavy handed, just specifically saying, go out and vote. 
but I'm a little bit more pessimistic about the message that transparency and trying to get the word out will actually help things because of the nature of, you know, authoritarian regimes to just change the truth. Um, So I don't know if it's, I think it's more like it's for liberal consumers, but it's not like a road as much of a roadmap as it is like a, um, a negative wish, uh, you know, like what if scenario, you know, it's more just to show, Hey, this is this is a road we could potentially go past. So, kind of splitting the difference between that is if it this is a PSA for liberals saying, here's how here's the worst that could happen, and then here's how you can help avoid it. I think can work, but at the same time, if it is just a pat answer on how to undo the damage of of what happened in this world, yeah, then yeah, I agree with you. Um, well, to wrap up, uh, any final thoughts? Any remaining ideas that you uh, had I about this? I liked how we did not spoil so many things in this podcast, like the ending of episode four. Which, but the fact that we haven't said it now, we probably just shouldn't. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're heroes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the only thing we spoiled is kind of the end, but in a very confusing way that people probably didn't understand fully if they had not listened to a watch the show. Yeah. Like Ryan, who's sitting next to us. Who has been closing his ears multiple times? Supposed to be here, theater of the mind. I know. Um, Now he's here. No, no, no. Now you know. But theater of the mind. I know, but they don't know. I want them to know. I want them to know. Ryan is our Ryan is our geek chorus. We got so close. No, well, you know that I I break it. I break it all the time. Yeah, Yeah. break the shatter that illusion. So this Um, has been a. uh, Oh no! You. Oh, never mind. There was a question. Never mind. Uh, In terms of the UK versus America versus everything. Yeah. No, I think we should we should just wrap it up. This is right. a UK show. Yeah. Uh, so this has been a secret records. records. Shh. Shh. Until next time. <laughs>